Welcome to NRL Insider and uh, joining us, NRL CEO, Andrew Abdo. Daryl. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Great chance to introduce you to the public of New Zealand. Um, all the way from South Africa, um, born in Johannesburg? No, I was actually born in a small town called East London, um, which is on the East Coast. And then I went to university in Cape Town, okay. um, which is a beautiful place to go to university. I, I didn't attend many lectures, I'll okay. be honest. Um, and then I moved to Johannesburg uh, when I started my working career and yep. uh, uh, spent my entire working career in Joburg until uh, about my mid-30s. Okay. Um, and then decided, did a bit of traveling and worked at different places around the world. Uh, yep. Spent some time in Bermuda, which was oh, wow. terrific. Um, and then uh, yeah, just, my wife and I decided to move to Australia. Um, a sports fanatic, uh, a schooling system in South Africa, which is, you know, netball, soccer, rugby and cricket, you know, those four yourself, you're an opening bat. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I've always been passionate about sport, yeah. uh, always, and I probably overestimated my playing ability and <laughs> fairly early realised that I wasn't going to make it. So an opportunity to work in sport was, uh, was I grabbed that, you know, firsthand. I, the sports that we play in South Africa were obviously very similar to New Zealand. So yeah. the sports that you mentioned there, I was um, loved and grew up playing uh, and, and watching rugby union. Uh, I was a, I was actually an opening batsman, um, a cricketer. wasn't much of a bowler. I used to try and turn a few overs, but turn a few over. But that, I found they never used to spin. They used to just kind of skid straight on. So, um, but no, I, I love sport. I grew up. I had a, you know, a, a kind of a childhood that was, sport was all around me, it's how I made my friends um, yeah. and uh, to be honest, uh, uh, played team sport until my late 30s and then, um, you know, really missed it. So you had a couple of teams, you follow the Bulls, you follow uh, the Stormers or Well, so the town that I went in, the regional location was the, the Sharks. Okay. Um, so uh, we had, uh, so I followed the Sharks all the way through and also, you know, when you, when you, if you live in Cape Town, you can't really go for the Stormers, you know. <laughs> well, you, you go for Manly, but we can uh, take you out of position. Andrew, a, uh, a trip to Australia um, to, to spread your wings, come for a holiday, um, basically sees you stay. Is that how it panned out? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we, my wife and I both enjoy travelling. Um, we had spent some time um, and going to different places around the world, and uh, we, we came to Australia on holiday. Um, uh, I stayed in um, in Mossman and Balmoral, and um, wow, f we felt like we had discovered a, a real paradise. So it has um, many of the similar uh, attributes of South Africa: great people and warm weather, and a sporting uh, an outdoor lifestyle. And we thought that this was a great place. We had two young kids at the time, um, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and we thought this was a great place for us to, uh, I suppose, um, base ourselves and build a family. Plenty of uh, friends and other people from South Africa have made the move before, and family on your side and that as well. And you'd heard stories about, you know, the, the great lifestyle and all that. Yeah, well, I think both uh, a lot of South Africans have immigrated to both New Zealand and South Africa, and for yeah. good reason. Um, you know, these are great countries uh, with you know great systems and great people. And uh, you know, if you think about in, in London. Um, a lot of my friends and when we used to travel in London, the, the, the Kiwis and the Aussies and the South Africans um, uh, had this unique bond and banter. Um, I think we enjoy traveling. I think we enjoy socializing. I think we warm people, the, you know, the three different nationalities. There are lots of differences, like yeah. accents, but there's lots of commonalities. Uh, sport's one of them. Yep. Uh, passion for life is another one of them. And 
sense of community. I, I've been overwhelmed, uh, Daryl, by how connected New Zealanders and, and Australians are uh, in both New Zealand and Australia. They're, yeah. they're, um, so we, we, um, we are nationalities that have got people that are making their way throughout the world. And uh, so we felt at home uh, in Australia and I love traveling to New Zealand. Uh, one of my favorite holidays of all time was actually driving around the South Island uh, with oh, yeah. my family. So uh, we, we really love this part of the world and we're very happy to be here. Did you manage to stumble across a game of rugby league? before you actually ended up work, working in sport here, before your arrival in Australia? We used to have this thing called National Panasonic Sport. It used to play on Friday evenings. I remember growing up as a kid. Um, and uh, it used to show, it was 30 minutes, and it used to show highlights from sports around the world. And um, so you'd saw things like ice hockey and things that you wouldn't see in South Africa. And one of them was State of Origin. And I, I remember being intrigued and going, you know, uh, it looks so similar to rugby union. But literally, that was my only exposure to rugby league. They, I know that South Africa had the South African Rhinos. Um, Dick yeah. Muir used to play for the Natal Sharks and played in Super Rugby, played for the Rhinos. Okay. Um, Andy Marinos, who, who, yeah. uh, who played, played, Canterbury too. Yeah. played for the Bulldogs. So, and, and Tion Strauss, who, yeah. who played uh, for the Springboks, came across and um, played, I think, for the Bulldogs as well. So yeah, he played for Cronulla. Cronulla. Yeah. So there was this sort of awareness of it, but I'll be honest, I, you know, I, I hadn't I hadn't grown up knowing it, I, I didn't understand it, and I didn't fully appreciate what it means to people until I got here. You do realise there uh, have been a you know, little bit of a manly support of that. Everyone else in the competition has two teams, <laughs> their own team and whoever else is playing manly. manly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, I did. I think, um, it, you know, I mean, the, the, it's funny, the different um, members of my household go for different teams okay. uh, and they and we each have a story my story is you know we landed in the North Shore and uh, one of the first games I went to was a game at Brookie and I just loved the way Manly played I loved the way that um, in, in some respects I was attracted to by the fact that everyone everyone um, despised them and I think that was because they were so gritty um, and uh, I, I, I they had a couple of players that I really enjoyed watching at the time as well and I, I really liked the way they went about things um, uh, really a small catchment and they, they seem to do uh, really bad above their weight, but a uh, box above their weight. But the other thing I liked about Manly was again, um, a couple of great characters coming through that club and a couple of amazing feats that they achieved. Uh, no less than in 2011 when they, they pipped the Warriors uh, in the grand final. But um, it's amazing what, what, again, rugby league, what I'm amazed about, it, the sense of connection with the community so my son's name is, is Anthony, and he met Anthony Minicello at a school camp. The Count. Yeah, uh, the Count. And, um, and they had an interaction um, and spent the day together. And from that day on, my son has been an avid Roosters supporter. supporter. Yeah. Um, did you find yourself in those early years of settling on the northern beaches, actually, um, you know, all of a sudden you're watching a, a game of Friday night footy and then lying on the sofa on Sunday and then watching someone else play and being told off because you're watching too much league now, there's other new sports come into your life? Yeah, it sounds familiar, isn't it? We've only got, you know, that there's an interesting stat. So there's 10,080 minutes in a week. I don't know if you, if, if, if you knew that. 10,080 minutes in a week. And so 80 minutes of those 10,000 of 80 should be for your team. So that's what my wife tells me, just 80 minutes. But of course, that flew out the window. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a bit like that. I mean, I, I've always loved all sports and I always watch, um, flick through the channels and, you know, um, whether it's golf or whether it's uh, uh, um, a team sport, I really enjoy it. But 
an interesting happened. Uh, a friend of mine who'd been in Australia for um, a number of years said to me, you have to, to understand the culture in Australia. You need to come to a league game. And this was only about two weeks after being in the country. And I went uh, to the Rabbitohs Bulldogs at ANZ Stadium. And I was hit by two things almost instantly within a few minutes. The first thing I was hit by was the speed and intensity of the game and how, how fast it was, but also how little stoppages there were. And I just couldn't believe how these big athletes were so skillful. Um, and there was very little difference, in my view, between the forwards and the backs. Um, now, of course, that's debatable, but yeah. that was my perception coming from, from a rugby union background. The second thing that hit me, Daryl, was the amazing atmosphere on the ground and the passion for the supporters. They were almost singing to each other as opposed to watching the footy. Yeah. Now, of course, that was the arch rivalry that goes back many years in terms of the Bulldogs and Rabbitohs. But I think I fell in love you know, uh, with the game from then on and um, started to watch more and more of it. And then, as you say, um, you know, eventually that, that, that became you know, my favourite sport by, by a considerable distance. Andrew, um, many players have, um, in fact, just about uh, all of the players that have played in the NRL to date have come through the under-20s or an under-19 system in this game, and a lot of them have come out of New Zealand. Post-COVID and moving forward from COVID, how can we make more boys and girls play rugby league in New Zealand? You've had a taste of New Zealand. You've seen how beautiful it is. I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked that question. It's something I'm really passionate about. Um, New Zealand is a really important market for us, and I mean that um, uh, with a, absolute uh, focus on what the future can hold for us. As you point out, a number of our NRL superstars have been born in New Zealand or have learnt their rugby, rugby union or rugby league in New Zealand, have come through the different ranks. Um, and you raise a couple of really good points there. The under-20s system, uh, when that was aligned to the NRL clubs, was really important for us because what that allowed, it allowed two things, the identification of talent and the ability for players to, to, be, to, to be developed in the market where they had, had grown up and, and, yeah. and, and, and were based. And the second thing it did is allow the fans to connect with the young emerging talent at a really early age and, a, and a, at an early point and see their journey on the way through. So I think there's a, there's a talent development perspective of it and then there's a fan uh, perspective of it. But overriding all of that is just how important New Zealand is for us, not just to supply talent, but we think that there's a great opportunity for us to take more rugby league um, games to New Zealand and also create more sustainable competitions and pathways for young kids boys and girls um, through the ages um, over the next couple of years and make you know, New Zealand and the entire Pacific region really a rugby league um, played and watched sport. Uh, years ago when I was commentating games in New Zealand, I used to watch uh, under-20s you know, before we go and commentate first grade. And I, it was predominantly an Auckland-based team, you know what I mean? And I thought, gosh, this would be wonderful if we could have under-20s in Auckland and then further down the line in the South Island or Wellington or Christchurch or something, have another under-20s te under team. Because it was becoming its own identity. And people were actually coming to the game early yeah. to watch their nephews and cousins and all that, which you know yeah. is in line with your tribalism that yeah. you saw at South and, and the Bulldogs. Yes. So that's basically the base for our game, which we'll try and you know, at some stage get back to. It is. Uh, rivalry is at the essence of that. And I think um, the, the benefit of having, for example, I mean, expansion is very much on the table. Um, and the commission is considering and thinking about a way for us to increase the number of clubs that we have. And that is about unlocking talent, but that's also about providing opportunities, again, to create more communities 
um, and more association with clubs. Uh, it gives people a real sense of belonging. And for us, the vision of having two teams in New Zealand is very, very much on the agenda. Uh, it's very much a vision that we are thinking about what the building blocks need to be in order to get there. But can you imagine that rivalry that could exist, um, regardless of where that second team is based in and around New Zealand, um, that creates regular content for us every week of the competition in New Zealand, yep. and that creates this opportunity to have this real rivalry develop. The Warriors. COVID. We're in Newcastle for round one, 2020. Um, COVID hits, they're told they're staying for the week, maybe a little bit longer. They go to the Gold Coast for a little bit longer, have another game up there, and then they return to New Zealand as the competition closes down in 2020. When they were on the plane heading home, did you think, I don't think we'll see you again <laughs> for the rest of the year? You know, I mean, it was a tough time, you couldn't really imagine what was going on, but your thoughts? You know, it feels like it feels like a lifetime ago. But I, you know, and I was there for that whole journey, and I saw what the club went through. And um, and I don't think anyone can really appreciate what it's like uh, to face that level of unknown, um, particularly if you consider being away from your, your family, being away from your home, and being and, and having to do that on the run. And I remember. You know, when they were, you know, packing their bags, you know, to come over for that game in Newcastle, they had no idea what was going to unfold. None of us did. Yeah. They had no idea what was going to unfold. So they entered the, uh, you know, in the unknown, and they had packed for, you know, three days. Um, and uh, ultimately, then we we moved that game, you know, to the Gold Coast. We had the season suspended, and and everyone knows, you know, the rest is history. But one thing that's probably lost on people: no team anywhere in the world has been relocated for an entire season through a competition. The Warriors are the first team to have done that. And the way they did it was, I think, you know, they've won themselves, obviously, huge amount of, of fans, you know, back home in New Zealand, but they've won the respect and the love and the admiration of the Australian public too, and just about anyone who loves rugby league all around the world. Because it wasn't just the case that, you know, we had to navigate uncharted waters. How are we going to get across? Um, how are we going to quarantine? How are we going to get them training and playing? How are we going to relocate as many families as, as we could, not knowing for how long? And they just got on with it. And they really, they, they galvanized, they came together, they played some amazing football. They almost made it into the finals. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, a lot has been said of it, but you can't say enough yeah. about the commitment, the sacrifice, the discipline, um, and the spirit in which they, they applied themselves to that situation. You know, people say sports is about strength and, and speed and stamina, but they forget about the spirit that's needed. And the Warriors showed that last year, and look how they've started this year. Again, the benefit of planning, they're still relocated. They have their families here, but they're still playing away from home, um, and they're playing some great football, and we just saw them uh, with a terrific win over the Raiders. Yeah. Andrew, um, you would have been on the phone many a time with uh, Cameron George, you know, um, and, and also the efforts of guys like Dan Floyd and what have you facilitating underneath. Um, were you just amazed at how accepting they were of things you had to say to them? How are we going to get over this hurdle, jump over this speed bump? You know what I mean? Uh, ter terrific teamwork, right? Ter terrific teamwork. And you're right, a lot, of a lot of communication, a lot of decision making, but, you know, uh, uh, Cameron, Dan, um, last year, you know, Todd Payton as the coach. And, and I want to single out the leadership group, you know, Roger Tuvasa-Shek 
and the other senior leaders in the group um, because they led the way for the rest of the environment, the rest of the group. Um, they kept their heads up. They kept on encouraging everyone. Um, and I remember we had some weird conversations, the type of conversations that you wouldn't ordinarily think of. Uh, you know, training at a gym and having to erect a fence so that they were separate from the general public. And they just said, you know, have you ever tried to do weights with, uh, you know, with someone watching you through a fence? You know? um, and so we had to deal with uh, a lot of unusual things. And the way they went about it, the, the spirit of cooperation, um, we'd get on the phone each week and we'd say, okay, what, what can we do to try and make life a little bit easier? And they were always proactive, they were always positive, and they, there was always the sense of can do. I never got, they never once ever said, this is too hard. They understood what was at stake. The Warriors were playing, not just for their fans, and not just for the Warriors, they were playing for the rest of the competition. And we needed sport through COVID, we needed a sense of something to look forward to, we needed a sense of we were gonna get through this. And the Warriors played a huge part in enabling us to get back on the field on May 28th. And the competition actually played a part themselves too. I mean, who would have thought we would ever have loan players? Yeah. Who would have ever thought that, you know, the Roosters are going to loan a player to the Bulldogs or yeah. the Broncos are going to loan a player to, you know, the Cowboys? And it worked. It worked. And, and it only worked because everyone sort of bought into it, I think. But, um, yeah, we learned, uh, Daryl, that, you know, through a crisis, you can, you can drive some change. And right. some of that is permanent. You know, we've seen, like, with the rule changes... I think the loan system um, is another example of that, but yeah, yeah absolutely, it was, um, it, it was kind of, what's the problem? Okay, how do we solve it? And everyone was really working together behind the scenes. Now, rugby league doesn't have a history of, of necessarily doing that. We compete vigorously on the field, but we're also competing off the field. But there was, there was a sense of unity, um, and uh, it was really uh, terrific to be part of. 2021 season, pretty much a repeat. Um, pre-season in Auckland, um, off to Tamworth, back to set up at Terrigal. And I've been up there at training and truck drivers have been going past training at Tugra and they'll stop, hop out of their truck and go to the fence and go, hey, I just want you guys to know how valuable you have been to Australian sport and what you've done over the last 12 months. Because yeah. possibly we don't get to play or we have a reconfigured competition yeah. without the efforts you guys have made. I've seen it firsthand on many a, many a time when I've been up there. It's pretty awesome, really. And you know, I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And you and I have been at, at, at Gosford at, at Central Coast Stadium before, and we see the way the local community has gotten behind the Warriors too. But it is, it's, it's recognised by everyone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that obviously, uh, I think everyone has a sense about how hard it's been. Um, but it's good for the players to get that acknowledgement. And, and you just get a... Uh, a sense of real community spirit, and that's sport, isn't it? That that's sort of like people coming together um, to to solve a problem. And uh, if only other parts of society uh, were able to operate in that environment, I think we'd be a better place. I can't ask you to look into the crystal ball too far, but uh, there's a lot of people back home who have their tribe and their team playing here at the moment, and they desperately need to get them back to Mount Smart yeah. and around the country. The community needs to touch them again. Yeah. Um, is there a plan in place to advance that, or you know, as soon as they can yeah. get there, and then to embrace that for the whole country? Yes. Uh, you know, I've, I've said it previously. We are, you know, we're in debt to the Warriors around what they've done for us. But we also we love our rugby league fans in New Zealand too, and so the opportunity for us to get the Warriors back safely playing at home is absolutely right up on the priority list. 
at the moment they're locked into to round 15. If the vaccines roll out well, we see the, the trans-Tasman bubble open up, you know, they'll be playing, you know, potentially round 16 uh, as a home game, um, but if not, um, later in the season. And one thing is for certain, you know, I think hopefully the vaccines roll out over the, the period of this calendar year. We're not out of the woods yet. There's still a lot of, um, a lot of uh, issues to iron out um, and important issues. We, we need to make sure the community is safe. We need to make sure that uh, collectively we are managing um, this pandemic as best as we can. But if, if next year is less constrained and the Warriors are playing at home, well, there's an opportunity for us to think about um, you know, potentially other clubs taking their home games and playing New Zealand. Yep. That, that would be something we would always encourage. Yep. But uh, I know that Cameron's been lobbying for, <laughs> you know, the concept of the Warriors playing all their games at home. I don't think we're going to get there, but certainly the sentiment for us is, you know, how do we facilitate yep. more rugby league in New Zealand? Not just premiership games and club games, but, you know, um, you, know, for, for, you know, for us, we'd love to take an All-Stars clash between the Indigenous All-Stars and and the New Zealand Mario stars uh, to New Zealand would love to think about test matches and, and other content. So you've told me now that you watch a lot more league than you first did. Do you find yourself singling out some Warriors games to watch? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no, no, I mean, I'm genuinely, I genuinely follow the Warriors. I think everyone really in Australia has the Warriors as yeah. their second team. Um, but I did beforehand. I like the way they play. You know, they, um, they, they're the kind of team that can really beat anyone um, on any given day. Um, and they play such attacking, um, fun to watch football, um, and uh, they've got some terrific players. So I, I've always, I've always uh, uh, enjoyed watching the Warriors play. I mean, I, I've always had an admiration. I, I'll say this genuinely, I've always had an admiration for New Zealand sports people because here's a here's a country of five million people that is up there, regardless of whether it's an individual sport. Like you know, like golf, or whether you know, swimming and the like, or netball, or um, uh, do you guys have a rugby union team? I think you have. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, I, mean I, black I mean, I I grew up like just in awe. I mean, I loved the rivalry that existed between South Africa and New Zealand, but I just grew up in awe of, of the All Blacks. You know, they the it's not just the fact that they used to beat everyone; it's just the the way they played, yeah. the selflessness, and you know, the Warriors are the same in that regard. Um, and the entertaining spectacle of the unbelievable athleticism of New Zealand sports people. Like you just, you know, if you consider um, all of the factors, uh, I'm just amazed by how, New even in cricket, like, um, you know, uh, everyone roots for the Kiwis, um, you know, from a cricket perspective because of the way they play. Um, but yeah, I, that's genuine. I've always had a respect for New Zealand sports people and I just think, um, this is a country that really does some exceptional things on the sporting field. Well, Andrew, there's only, uh, like you say, five million of us. So your next trip over there, we can just about introduce you to everyone and you can shake hands. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your insight and uh, your time. Um, and thanks for joining us on uh, Sky Sport. It's a pleasure. And thank, you. thank you for all you do for our games, Errol, as well. You know, you're a legend in the game and, and all the support that you do and, and the coverage you provide for... Uh, our viewers back at home in New Zealand, it's terrific for our sport too. And um, I want to say thank you to the fans too yep. for sticking by us and yeah. supporting us. And we look forward to being back in New Zealand. And when those borders open, I'll be on that first plane back, back across.